Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here's your host, Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. That's right. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live from CenturyLink every Thursday at 7 right here on 710 ESPN. Before we jump into the New England Patriots, we got to talk about last week's opponent, the Atlanta Falcons. Russell Wilson had one of his best games as a professional, 31 for 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. The offense looked a little different, but I feel like the main, I guess, topic of this game is Jamal Adams. This guy had a great game, got to the quarterback, had a bunch of tackles, brought a lot of swag and energy to this defense, made this defense feel like they're playing on a different level. You matched that with Russell Wilson's play. Uh, it looked different, Paul. It was like everyone expects his team to come out and run the football. I'm not going to say the phrase, the let Russ do his thing. People were satisfied with what happened. Um, Chris Carson didn't touch the ball that many times, only seven carries, six or seven carries, but he was a factor in the past game. This offense has looked a bit di- dif- different, and this defense looked a bit different. What did you see out this whole deal? Well, I you know, superstars are important in this league. You know, you can, you can have a, a bunch of great players, but you, you need playmakers. Yep. And, and what Jamal Adams is, he's a playmaker. And, you know, I was telling somebody earlier, I go, he didn't even play his best game, you guys. No. He's just been the best we've seen in such a long time in the secondary because I think he's the best safety, you know, pretty much hands down in the NFL. It, it is his energy. And, you know, when you see a guy who's enthusiastic, who's a leader, it brings everybody else yeah. up, too. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you play it cool. Like, I, I'm looking to say, well, did he get excited? <laughs> you know, I can't get all excited if I'm not the man. Yeah. Well, Jamal is the man. Um, he, he makes plays all over the board. And sometimes he makes mistakes and he makes up with it with effort and certainly skill um you know 12 tackles a sack he also had you know another i think he had two quarterback hits two tackles for a loss um made some plays on third down made one on uh, julio jones knocked the ball down early in the game as well but we're just getting started with this this defense you know he made some mistakes you know watching the game and i think pete talked about it as well and that's what excites me even more. I mean, he played the best I've seen a safety play in a long time for the Seahawks. And uh, he, I would say he, he played 80% of what he's capable of. 80%. I yeah. like that, Paul. And, you know, he did make a mistake. Everyone looks at that late touchdown that they feel like Shaquille Griffin mm-hmm. gave up. But you hear Pete Carroll talk about it. He said Jamal made a mistake, ran into Shaquille. That's how that happened. Um, I The thing I found most exciting about the defense was that there was a sequence where I felt like Jamal Adams came up and made a play, and then Diggs made a play, and then Bobby made a play. We're talking about Jamal Adams, and quietly, Bobby Wagner had a great game. Mm-hmm. So what I like about that is, like, you're not depending on Bobby. Remember last year was like, if Bobby doesn't do this, if Bobby doesn't do that. Now we're talking about Jamal, and that's going to take some pressure off of Bobby. I would, I would like to think as a linebacker, when you feel like you have a guy behind you who has your back, you're allowed to play more free. You know, and it it did seem like Bobby played more free. You know, I didn't feel like he was pressing as much. And he, I thought he played phenomenal. He had a couple of busts, too. He had one where there was a play-action pass. He, I mean, you can see it when a guy claps his yeah. hands like, oh. <laughs> and he, he, he could have had an interception if he turned and looked up. I want to say it was either Ridley or, or Julio Jones on a deep end. Um, Diggs played well. Yeah. Diggs, and this is the one thing that we're trying to get back to is a really physical football team. So you come through that line, you better have your head on a swivel if you're a running back or a wide receiver. Those days, it seems like they're far, they're, they've gone away that you can't hit anybody. Yeah. Well, Diggs will knock you out. 
<clears throat> Jamal Adams will knock you out. Bobby Wagner will knock you out. And then you're starting to see all these other guys say, okay, this is fun. I, I'm, I want to be a part of that, too. I even saw Dunbar. He made a nice hit on the sideline. He was all jacked up about it. So I, I think we're going to see the identity of this team as one. We're going to be very physical, at least in the back seven. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got playmakers across the board. Dunbar made a play. Lano Hill was out, yeah. was out there making plays. That I feel like that is an example of the infectious energy and passion that Jamal brings to the table. Now, we got to talk about Russell Wilson. I mean, the guy was incredible. It's it's almost like we're spoiled. Like, we got this week one. We got this mm. performance out of him week one. So now people are going to expect this to happen every single week. I tell people, simmer down. That's one week. I feel like they might have taken advantage of opportunities that were presented to them offensively. I still feel like they're going to have to run this football for this team to be successful and open everybody up. What was your overall thought? about this offense. DK had a, a good game, but he had a bad game at the same time. Tyler Lockett mm-hmm. was consistent. What are your thoughts about this offense? Well, I liked what we did uh, from an identity standpoint and that, hey, we, we can still get the ball to the running back. So one, one thing we've not been very good over the years is screens. Yep. You know, you, some people say, why don't you run more screens? Well, because it takes a lot of execution on that. You know, I mean, you, you got to go and actually do it a lot in practice and the, the timing of it. Um, I thought we ran them really well. And maybe a part of it is with Damian Lewis. You know, maybe they did that when he was at LSU and he was comfortable. Uh, Posick, he was a center at LSU. He's back to his natural position. So I saw those guys leading out in front. It was really fun because both those are pretty athletic big guys. Yeah. I'm having Damian Lewis on the one touchdown Carson had on that screen. I mean, he was high-stepping. He was in the end. <laughs> zone and knocked a DB on his butt Love it. just to finish the play. Love it. Um, so I didn't realize he was as athletic. I thought he was more of a brawler. No, he's he's got some skill and he can he can high step it too. So I, I, I like what we've we where we are and here's why. What are you gonna do if you're New England? Yeah, how do you prep for this? It, so now, okay, we've always said, well, we got to stop the run, do you? <laughs> I, I mean, you just had a guy go 31 for 35, and, and you know, you, you saw the game and have studied it. I, I don't know if Russell threw a ball within an inch outside of a receiver's body. Yeah. I, I never saw a receiver have to extend his hand or go die for something. The only one I saw somebody extend their hands was when DK on that fourth and five play, mm-hmm. it was a go route, yep. and he just put his hands out like a bread basket, and the ball was right there. I think Russell's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. People don't t- – you can go with Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I watched Matt Ryan, uh, Cam Newton, watched him uh, last night and today. Uh, they have bad throws. They have a throw where they're under pressure where it, it sails on them or a, a guy has to go down and, and or stop and slow down. There wasn't one pass in this game of the 35 that a guy had to slow down and it didn't hit him somewhere right around the numbers. They uh, didn't have to slow down. They hit him right in the numbers, and this is without a preseason. Now, Russell doesn't play much in the preseason. He plays, what, week one, and then maybe again week three, he'll get 10 to 12 snaps, maybe two series. So he did this without those extra snaps. It only leads me to imagine, like, what would he have done if he had a few more games to prepare for this? That's just lets you know how prepared this guy is. You know, I heard Jake Heaps talk about him working with Russell during the offseason, how he is obsessed with just being perfect. Now, perfection is never going to happen in a game. I've never seen a perfect game in my life. If you have, Paul, you let me know when you saw it. No, I, well, it was it was awfully good what he did. And his decision-making, that's another thing that just goes unnoticed. Or It's just not – there's no way to sometimes factor it in into an equation, a stat, right? Yeah. But his decision-making is remarkable. When he escapes – um, I even remember the one where he escaped early in the game. He was running hard to his left. And I can't remember who he threw it to. It might have been, uh, been Tyler on the sideline. 
man, it was just a bullet. But I seriously, if you were a wide receiver and just threw a bunch of stick them all on your body, <laughs> you wouldn't have to catch a ball. It would just stick to you. He would hit you in the body. Blitnikoff. Then Blitnikoff needs to get all the sticky stuff and, all uh, over there. Also Lester Hayes uh, on on defense. But for you as a wide receiver, I mean, you've got to feel pretty good when you're running your route that, you know, I mean, I have to stay perfect on this route. He's going to see that. It yeah. doesn't matter if I all of a sudden bend something on the outside. That's, that's got to be an amazing feeling. And, and he's going to put the ball where the, the defenders aren't. That's yeah. a lot of erratic quarterbacks will throw you high, get you knocked out, throw behind your back. He's going to put the ball where he feels like, okay, he can catch it and he could run after that. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks had a great debut. But coming up next, we'll dive into the Seahawks' Week 2 opponent with Tom Coran from the NBC Sports Boston right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer. Every Thursday, 7 o'clock, right here on 710 ESPN. And right now, we get to talk to Tom Curran from NBC Sports Boston. Tom, how are you doing today? Tremendous. What's going on, guys? You know, we're hanging out. We appreciate you staying up late yeah. for us and, and, and taking time out. My first question for you was, what was it like seeing the New England offense take the field and having a different quarterback run the show? It was a little surreal. You know what? It was a little surreal, but it's such a, a huge personality and it's such a compelling player who had so many talents that he was bringing to the table that you didn't get really to focus on the guy who wasn't there because the guy who was there was compelling in his own right. So it's a good question, and, and that was something that I noticed. I'm like, you know, if it was Jarrett Stidham or Brian Hoyer, I might be getting a little Brady um, nostalgia here. But I wasn't, and I don't think a lot of people in New England were, just because they replaced him with really the ideal replacement to forget, as much as you will, about someone like Tom Brady. It is amazing. I mean, Cam looks like and we'll get more to Cam here. It looks like he's having fun. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was the one thing. But you know, I I just think it's so impressive. Just your thoughts on what what Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel have done. I mean, this is I just got done watching them this morning, and this off. I mean, the read option, the play action, everything about this offense, maybe the, other than to the running back running game, is different. I mean, how impressive is it just to see what they've done in really the short amount of time, too? It's not like they've got double days all, all, all camp to do this. No, I mean, it's really remarkable. And when you look at it, you know, this is why McDaniels, even though he had, you know, the time in Denver that didn't go great, <coughs> excuse me, and then, uh, you know, he left Indianapolis standing at the altar. This is why McDaniels is so sought after. It's not just... Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I mean, McDaniels is the offensive mind, and he's the one who dealt with Brady, and he'll be the one who de deals with Cam, and, and they did. They reconfigured everything in really a five-week span. And what's interesting about the per personnel the Patriots have now is they are a really good run-blocking line, and I think that those guys warmed to the task of a lot of that read option and triple option and quarterback draw stuff that is now on the table with Cam. Well, I was going to say another thing that's impressive is, and again, this just shows how good a coach as they are. It's the execution of it. You know, the timing of that, that read option and it, and it's a yep. complex running game. I mean, the Seahawks, they got their hands full coming in this week. It's going to be a battle for them to try and stop this running game. It is. 
But it, as Justin Daniels pointed out a couple of times, this is an entirely different polar opposite defense. It's, you know, it's a, it's a one gap front that penetrates as opposed to Miami two gapping and kind of hanging out and waiting to see what you're going to do. It's blitzing secondary players. It's zone defense. So that everybody's facing the line, even in the secondary, as opposed to, you know, playing man and turning their backs to the line of scrimmage. And there are much more impressive players really starting with Bobby Wagner, but certainly now I think including Jamal Adams on the Seattle defense, which has a program in place, which is, worked for years and years. This isn't their first time seeing it. It's whether it's Kyler Murray or Jimmy G or Goff or Cam back in the day, they have seen this type of offense. So they're not going to be caught flat footed a little bit, maybe the way Miami was. Tom, one of the knocks of Cam Newton was his leadership. Now, I don't think he is a bad leader. I just think it looks different than your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees. Um, what have you seen out of Cam thus far when it comes to his leadership? Everything's gone great, so it's been great. You know, he he shares his enthusiasm. Um, I think for Cam as a leader from afar, I used to look at him as it just it seemed like he and Brady could do this too. Certainly, I think every quarterback can. Although I don't know if I've ever seen Wilson do it, but you know, he got a little hangdog when things went poorly for him, and he wore it all over his face, and you know, the towel over the head, and, and all that stuff. I guess they all do that to a degree. But with Cam, it, it seemed to compound. But right now, everything's going great, so there's been no opportunity for him to be anything other than over-the-top enthusiastic, and guys are gravitating toward that. You know, there, there's names here that people know. You know, certainly Julian Edelman, and, and I think maybe a little – I'm an Arizona State guy, so Harry, you know, we, we I'm pulling for him to do well. But other than the secondary, which, which is phenomenal – Say, say some names out there that uh, the, the Seahawks fans out here may not know about that uh, they're going to be uh, fun to watch this week. Sure. Defensively, it'll be Juwan Bentley. He is going to be in the Hightower role. And you guys know Hightower well, who was in the Mayo role. So he's the nerve center of the defense. He's a fifth-round pick out of Purdue. Hadn't played a ton in his second year. And now in his third year, he is the brains of the defense. So you have him at the second level, Ben Chase Winovich is really looking like a guy who's going to start to play well on the edge at that outside linebacker spot. So those are two big guys. And there's a kid, Byron Coward, who played good in the middle. They also got Adrian Phillips, came over from the Chargers at safety. He played great last week in place of Chung. And then on offense, you know him. I mean, it, it, that's that's it. It's Harry and Edelman and then a bunch of schmoes uh, to be rude about it. Uh, and then after that, it's James White. So, you know, James White, Sony Michelle, Julian Edelman uh, are the offense. I mean, Nikhil Harry, sad to say, even though you're rooting for him, very much an unknown quantity, and it's very much three steps forward, two steps back with him. All right, Tom, now the Hawks have a former Patriot on their roster now, Philip Dorsett. Um, he didn't play that first week, had an injury that he's dealing with in his foot. When he is healthy, when he is ready to go, what type of player should the 12s expect out of this guy? Fast guy, good teammate, good hands. If he can get to it, he catches it. But he's not a guy who works inside the numbers. And that, I always felt, was a really a, a knock against him because he's about a 5'10 wide receiver who doesn't work inside the numbers. He timed it 4-3, but he doesn't really play that 4-3. We'll see if Phillip can 
excuse me, Philip. Who the hell is Philip? We'll see if Russell could get something out of him um, with that down the field speed that the Patriots didn't really. He's he's okay as a third or a fourth, but you're not going to want to center the offense around him. If those other guys, Metcalf and Lockett, are drawing attention, absolutely you're going to find favorable matchups where Philip Dorsett's going to be open and have some big games. And if he is open, he does catch it. I was thinking uh, going into this game, their defense has been so good. You kind of mentioned it with Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung both opting out with the, from the COVID. Are you surprised how well the defense played last week or, you know, just another Bill Belichick stunned. typical coaching no, game? absolutely stunned. Because it wasn't just losing Hightower and Chung. It's losing Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins and Orlando Roberts. Their entire linebacker room was gone, all of them. So that was a big deal. And for them to play the way they did in their first game without those guys was kind of astounding. And again, this is going to be a much different test. You have a quarterback who can buy time, move around, scramble on you if he has to, uh, a different style running back in Carson, I think, than, than what they saw last week. So really a hard matchup, I think. And, you know, if you're a Seahawks fan looking at this game, it's not the normal Patriots defense personnel-wise. A lot of raw players. Stephon Gilmore, uh, NFL player of the year, defensive player of the year last year, um, had a pick this year. I watched the film. Doesn't look like he's lost a step. He loves playing a man. He can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. What does he look like to you so far after week one? He's terrific. I mean, he's running routes for guys practically. Um, he gets aggressive, he gets handsy, and he gets called uh, twice this past week and also came up with that pick that you mentioned. Um, but I don't know if you put him on Metcalf because he likes to single him up with people. Sometimes they'll put him on the best receiver, but if the best receiver there, Metcalf or Lockett. Um, and even if it is Lockett, is the six-plus tall uh, Gilmore best served being on that guy, or do you put him on the number two or put him on Metcalf and then double Lockett? That's kind of what the Patriots like to do sometimes. So that'll be interesting to see where he goes because he's going to probably follow somebody. Tom, we appreciate you staying up. You go get some sleep, man. Thanks for taking time out to hang out with us. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here watching the Celtics on DVR. Don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> I won't say nothing. Now oh, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, you're our friend. No, we won't say nothing. Again. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it, Tom. Thanks, Tom. All right. Bye-bye. That's funny. All right, coming up next, we chat with Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. That's right, this is Hawks Live. He is Paul Moyer. I am Michael Bumpus. Every Thursday at 7 o'clock, we're here, right here on 710 ESPN. And today, we get to talk to K.J. Wright. K.J., how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How y'all doing? You know, we're we're hanging in there. It's football we're, hang, we're hanging here at CenturyLink right now, the <laughs> all three of us in this huge stadium. That's the new COVID way of doing doing a uh, Hawks live event. So every everything's yeah, different. Yeah, yes. So how it, you doing? Get back to normal here soon. Uh, we hope so, man. I, that, that would be nice. And you know, that, actually, I was going to lead into my first question for you, KJ. I mean, your ninth year. You know, think about your your rookie camp. Or your tenth year, excuse me. Think about your rookie camp yeah. and this one. How, how, I mean, try to explain to people listening how different it is your your rookie camp, probably two a days at times, to this where you know unprecedented times. 
Yeah, it's um, yeah, completely different, like you said. And um, as a young rookie coming in, you know, your eyes are wide open, don't know what to expect, just trying to get on the club and and start your NFL career. And um, you now here I am in year ten, and um, just um, you know, experience got some some wisdom to me, and um, just out here just just steady balling, adding to the career. So it's been a fun journey, and um, just got to just make sure that this tenth year is an awesome year. Hey, KJ, I watched you guys play last week, and it just felt fast out there. Now, we're just the old guys watching film and watching <laughs> you guys get to work. We're not out there. Uh, but is that accurate? Did it feel fast out there for you? What was your feel? It, it did feel fast. It, it really did feel fast. And, you know, we didn't have any preseason as we went straight from training camp, which is fast as well. But as we all know, that game time, it, the speed, you know, everybody moving a little quicker out there. Yeah. And pushing a little harder, and so it did feel fast, especially there in the beginning. But as the game went on, it started to slow down for me personally, and um, you could start seeing stuff better. So it was nice and fast out there, and I love the way our defense looked. Our defense was flying all over the place. As you y'all saw, Bobby and Jamal was looking excellent. Benson was making plays, and so I love what I saw in our, in our first outing. It it did look physical, and obviously that's how you guys like to play, and that's what you guys are known for, certainly during the Super Bowl run. But you guys got a lot of new players for you, Bobby. I mean, this is uh, – excuse me, KJ. I'm, um, I'm thinking uh, of you got two new defensive ends. You've got even Diggs, who came in middle of the year. You've got Dunbar. Mm-hmm. You've got Jamal Adams. And, look, I thought you guys played well. The yardage d- doesn't matter. I mean, it's all about wins. But you guys obviously – can play so much better. What, what's it like trying to just coordinate all of these new new people? It's fun, man. This this group really gels really well together. Everybody's just happy. Everybody, you know, love each other. Just good vibes between everybody. And we still learning, still learning how each other likes to play, each other's style. And I'm saying this defense can be extremely special. You um you saw how many yards that Ryan had, and um you know we just we definitely want to limit that. But overall, if you watch the film, we played a, a really solid game. And so we've got to continue that. Um, we know this week's opponent. We know that their style of offense, and we got to make sure we take away what they do best and um, get the ball back to our offense so we can get another win this week. Now, KJ, you line up on the field, and you see some young some young guys out there. You got Trey. Um, you got Puna. Jay Reed's on the younger side. But then you look to your right and your left, and you see your boy Bruce Irvin, man. What was it like being reunited <laughs> with your boy? It's fun, man. That's when I, it's crazy. Like when I saw that he signed back, I was like, "This is this is just to get Bruce back to how we had him back in um, during the Super Bowl era." It's just fun, man. He's just the the life of the defense, life of the team. Um, to play linebacker on first down, come rushing the edge on third down. Bruce Bruce can do so much, and he and I tell and I told Bruce when they went out for for those practices during training camp, I was like, "Dog, we're not the same without you." We're not the same defense without Bruce on the field. And uh, I'm just glad that we got him back and he was add a whole new dimension to our defense. Well, KJ, I mean, it looked different on defense. Uh, you know, normally, you know, a little bit more vanilla, more three deep, some, you know, single free at times. You know, this time, I think Jamal Adams blitzed 11 times. I saw um, uh, Blair probably go four or five times. Talk about just the difference in philosophy, if it's changed, and how much are they blitzing you guys as linebackers, too? Yeah, I'm telling you, we, we're an aggressive defense. I felt like last year, we depended on the offense way too much. The offense built out of out of so many games, and the, and this defense is one that's going to be on the attack. 
we go get after it. You saw we coming off the edge, coming up the middle, and um, you know the linebacker sacks is gonna come as well. And so we're we're on the attack this year. Last year I just felt like we weren't as good. We weren't good enough. And we're just getting started. We got to make sure that we build off of this first win. The Patriots come in there. You know they're gonna have an awesome game plan. Go try to do some good stuff. We just got to make sure we put a you know our stamp on this defense on Sunday night. So let's talk about New England, KJ. Last week, you guys saw Matt Ryan. He threw the ball 54 times. Now, New England, they're going to mm-hmm. run that rock. This is going to be a big boy type of football game. What are you seeing out of New England, and are you up for the challenge? I'm sure you are. Yeah, it's going to be, I think, a completely different game plan. You got, um, like you said, they passed it 54 times. This team want to come out, establish the run. They have really four good running backs over there in New England. Um, add Cam Newton in there. He, he likes to run the ball as well. And so it will be downhill football, 22 personnel, 21 personnel, you know, who who go tap out first. And so it's going to be a fun challenge. I've always had lots of respect for Cam Newton, both with his legs and his arms, and he's a competitor. And so it's going to be a tough game, I know. They have a good defense over there in New England, and so I think it will be a good defensive battle. You know, Bob, I mean, keep calling you Bobby Cage. I don't know why. Hey, you um, call me Bobby I, again. I just, I don't know why. I, and look, I'm, I'm about I'm to. Up this phone. I, I'm, I'm about to say, Dave Wyman. I talk about you all the time. We thought last year was one of your best years you, you've had, and you know, just in your tenth season now, KJ. I'll get that right. You know, how is your body feeling? And did you feel last year was one of the best years you've had in your career? Yeah, last year was phenomenal just um to come off that injury year that i had before and to redeem myself um, i was truly thankful that i could play as good as i did thankful for my training staff and the nursing back to health and so last year was, was tremendous and i'm just trying to build off of that that season my body feels excellent and um yeah man just ready to continue the ball and do what i always do make plays just have another good year I, I promise when we get Bobby on, I'm going to call him KJ three times for you. <laughs> make, make sure you record that for me and send it to me. <laughs> so I can hear it. All right, KJ, what are you seeing out of these young guys? You got Jordan Brooks, a first-round pick. Cody Barnes in his second year. Ben Burkirvin is out mm-hmm. there. Or Do you feel like they're getting more comfortable out there being an NFL pro? I, I think so, man. I believe out of all the linebackers that Cody had the best count. You know, out, out of everybody, he's just somebody that's real instinctive. Um, got some picks out there. Just he's gonna have a really good career. BBK was out there hustling as usual, and um, even Brooks. Brooks looked good. He, you could tell during OTAs, picked up the playbook really good. Get out there during camp, shows his speed, shows his strength, and so this this linebacker group is tremendous. And I believe that it's something. Bobby get tired, I get tired. I think they could step in and just we won't miss a beat. That's nice to hear. Hopefully y'all don't get tired. You out there getting 12 to 14 tackles out there doing your thing, man. Hey, I love what I saw that first week. I know you guys are going to keep that thing going. We appreciate you taking time out your schedule, sir. No doubt. Thank you, guys. All right, KJ. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, you're listening to Hawks Live from CenturyLink Field. This is Michael Bumpus. That's Paul Moyer. Up you're you're going to call me Dave Wyman, weren't right, you? I, just to, I, just get, I would have deserved that. I would have deserved that. <laughs> All right, we got you covered all things Seahawks. Coming up next, we get to talk to Mr. John Clayton right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. I am Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live from CenturyLink every Thursday, 7 o'clock, right here on 710 ESPN 
And now we get to talk to Mr. Yeah. John Clayton. Paul's feeling this. You feeling this song right here, John? I'm feeling it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. JB's my favorite. There you go. Get up. Godfather of Soul. Godfather of Soul. Look at John. Yeah, you did say funk. I tried to get you into the techno last week, John. You weren't feeling that. You're a funk guy. I'm a funk guy. Yeah. I mean, I still remember my, my best musical experience is going down to uh, a bar called the, the Pinteth Bar in uh, Nags Head, North Carolina. And what I did is that I'm, I'm there with two of my buddies from Pittsburgh, and we're listening to music. I walked over to the band and said, this is the best music I've ever heard. You sound like the Horny Horns. And Maceo Parker from the Horny Horns says, yeah, we are the Horny Horns. JB just fired us. And that's, and that's when he went over to get more funk, JB, uh, trying to go into uh, Bootsy Collins and his brother, who's a drummer. And it's like, it was a, what, what a great moment that was. Great moment. What a great moment last week. There was, you go. John. Good transition. Great moment last week. The Hawks came out. They dominated. And were you surprised by this offensive approach? And do you think it was they took advantage of a defense or they came out and said, look, this is who we are. This is who we're going to be. I think in part it's what they want to be, but they can't do it every week. But I think they could do it certainly against a Falcon team that had a, a terrible cornerback, you know, uh, Olivia Oliver, uh, Isaiah Oliver, who gave up 62% completions the week bef- last year. And then you got a rookie in A.J. Terrell out there. So you have two young cornerbacks, and then they get injuries. Or nickel cornerback, he gets hurt and not able to play before the game. They lose another cornerback during the game. So they were totally vulnerable to this. And so it's like, take advantage of it. Can't do that this week against the Patriots. The Patriots come out with, you know, the best trio of man-to-man cornerbacks in the league. And so now you're going to have to find a way to go two tight ends, run the football a little bit more. But I think what you want to see is that they want more up-tempo in the first three quarters, and particularly on first and second down, a few more passes on first and second down. And I think you'll see more of that, but not as much as you saw last week. Have you ever been around a a game where someone gave up 500 yards on defense, but you felt pretty good about it? Uh, Yeah, eight games. Danny Danny O'Neill was the one that really presses this stat. And he presses the stat that you know there's been uh, eight times that uh, there's been 400-plus yards thrown against Pete Carroll uh, on a defense than when he's in Seattle. They're 8-0. Yeah, and so it's like okay, so they'll they don't care about the meaningless yards. What they care about is just making sure you get the turnovers, you get the fourth down conversions, and that's the one thing that they were able to stop. They did such a great job on fourth down conversions. That was something that was a strength of them last year, making the big play to stop some drives. But it's even I think going to be more so this year. All right, John, I'm not going to lie. When I heard that the Hawks were picking up Jamal Adams for two first round picks. I was a little nervous. I knew what they were getting. At least I thought I knew what they were getting. But I was a little nervous. After week one, I feel good about this situation. How do you feel about it, I feel good. (laughs) Because, I mean, and I'll even lean on Paul on this one, is because what you're picking up is a future Hall of Fame safety. I mean, he's a combination of Brian Dawkins and Troy Palomalo. And I think, you know, I'm not going to say he'll go down as the greatest safety in uh, Seahawk history because you got Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Ken Easley. I'll throw in Paul Moyer and uh, Eugene Robinson. But again, what you're looking at is an incredible talent and an incredible playmaker. I mean, to think that you have a safety that blitzed 11 times against the Falcons, had four pressures and a sack. Tell me, Paul, have you seen one like that unless his name's Paul Amala? No, and certainly there's some comparisons there. Um, you know, when I, I did a thing on him for on the Seahawks.com, and, and I told people, I said, this is going to look like a highlight reel, 
but this is just how he plays every game. He just makes so many plays. What I will say about him, because it, it will be interesting if he sticks around here a long time, that, you know, the greatest safety in, in Seahawk history, they're all different. Earl Thomas had a... You know, he was a free safety, what he brought. Cam Chancellor brought something different. Kenny Easley brought something different. And Jamal Adams, to me, is he's the hybrid. I mean, he can play any position, but he is a really special player around that line of scrimmage. And you know what's scary for, I think, teams watching, uh, John? He didn't even play that great for him. He he had some busts in the secondary. Um, he made a lot of plays, you know, t- tackles, sacks, uh, tackles behind the line of scrimmage. But he's going to be even better, and that's that's why I'm excited about this defense. Well, what I like about him, because I remember on Sirius Radio last year, I interviewed him, and I thought he was one of the best interviews, football-wise, I had had in the course of the year. He's so knowledgeable about the game. He's always learning about the game, and he loves the game. You can see it, and what you can also see... He can do everything, and particularly at a time like this, because you know people thought, oh boy, what stupid move that was at to take a box safety and give up two first-round picks and a third-round pick and a starting safety, get a fourth-round pick back. But what you're looking at, and Matt Rule is the one who brought this in coming from college to Carolina, you want positionalist players, guys that right now they can do so many versatile things. Like not only did he play you know, strong safety on Sunday, he played some free safety too. I mean, he's able to play linebacker. I think he had 143 plays at linebacker last year when he was with the Jets. He can blitz. He can go all through the field. He can make hits. And like, for example, in a game like this against coming up on Sunday night when they play New England, it's like, okay, you have Cam Chancellor, uh, Cam Chancellor-like hitting ability, and all of a sudden if you have Cam Newton trying to run the football, he can knock this guy out with a big hit. So can Quandre Diggs. And so, no, I think that uh, he is such a perfect fit. He was even more worth the price. John, you mentioned it. The Hawks are going to see a different type of offense this week. Last week they saw Matt Ryan throwing the ball 40, 54 times. Um, do you think this defense is equipped and ready to play this style of football coming up on Sunday? I think so, yeah. Because, you know, what you you can see is that they're going to be a running team. I mean, they ran the ball, you know, what only, only threw 19 passes last week. And so – the key right now is that, okay, the defense needs to obviously have a good game. That's going to be one of the keys for the season, to have a defense that can hold teams under 20 points a game. But this is one now where the offense needs to do some things because what you can see with New England coming in, do they have the ability to come back if they fall behind? And a running offense like this, we watched it last year in Baltimore, you know, in the, particularly the playoff game against Tennessee, in the play, playoff game and also during the season, if you're a running team like this, you're going to have a hard time if you're going to be behind by 10 points. So the key right now is for the offense to come out, get a good start, and be able to have a 10-point lead, four-point lead if necessary at halftime. But I think this is one where, you know, and again, this is where a guy like Adams, Diggs, those guys can really come up, make some big hits on Cam Newton, and slow down things. So what do you think is going to happen this week? You know, I, what's crazy about it, I thought New England was not going to be good this year. And then I watched the, their game, and again, they played Miami. But defense is phenomenal. Running game is much more sophisticated than I thought they'd be able to, to pull off. Um, just just your thoughts on this week and who you think is going to win. Well, I think Seattle's going to win because I think they're the better team. I mean, here's a team that was able to 
make now additions to make it one of the most talented secondaries in football, along with the fact that they've added to the offensive line. They've got more speed on defense. You know, they've got more speed at wide receiver. So they've added where you've got a Patriot team that subtracted. I mean, I contend that they're worse right now at wide receiver than they were last year because all they have is Julian Edelman, you know, N.K. Neal, who, of course, uh, was a first-round pick who always seems to be hurt. Now, he's got a D.K. Metcalf-type body, but he has you know, injury problems like that. You know, they got uh, Ryan Izzo and two rookies at tight end, and so they're worse right now in the pass-catching ability, so they have to rely on the one run. And so now you look at the defense, and it's like they've lost four of their top five linebackers, two of their top three safeties, and Danny Shelton. And so, sure, they can do an 11-point game against the Miami Dolphins, who had to revamp their offensive line, but what they can, can they do against Seattle? So I think Seattle has a big edge in this game. John, whenever I have a chance to ask you about a Coug, I got to do it, John. Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. had a day. Is he a legit franchise quarterback, or is he just a fun story for the league? No, I mean, I think he's a good quarterback. Now, the question is going to be, how can he hold up on one of the least talented teams on football? And so far, he's held up great. Now, last year, he only won one game against a team with a winning record, but that was a big win against an Indianapolis Colts team that I thought with Phillip Rivers, the improvement with DeForest Buckner on defense, that that's going to be a team that's going to be an 11-win team. They beat him, and he completed 19 of 20 passes. I mean, think about this. We talk about the great performance, one of the great performances in NFL history last week by Russell Wilson, 31 of 35, 83.3%, 88.3% completions, and also throwing for 322 yards and four touchdowns. Minshew had only one incompletion, and that was debatable because I think it was a drop. I mean, how you, you've got to say something positive about Garner Minshew. I know Jim Moore always says something positive, but I just wonder, can you sustain it with the lack of talent around him? It's a, it's a cute story, John. It is. Hey, John, re- real quick, the 49ers, uh, you know, big loss last week. I don't know if it was completely unexpected with all their injuries, but you got Sherman who went on IR, which would be at least three weeks. Can they – I know they're a good team. Are they going to be able to hold up over the next few weeks versus the Jets, Giants, and then I think they have uh, Philadelphia? Yeah, I think it's – I mean, honestly – what I'm looking at right now, these are three games that they should be able to win. But I wonder if they're going to win you know, all three, and I tend to think they may, may not. Because what you're looking at is that they're down three cornerbacks of their top four on uh, on defense. Then they're even more injured at the wide receiver position. And, oh, by the way, George Kittle has not pr- uh, been able to practice for the last two days because of a knee injury. You're taking so much out of that team. You know, Again, I call it a Super Bowl hangover. It's now become a migraine. You know, I just get the <laughs> Feeling in these games against the Jets and Giants, which should be road wins, they might lose one of those, and then we'll see how they do in the home game against Philadelphia. Well, we'll see how they do, John. We appreciate you taking time. Keep it funky, man. Keep right. it funky. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> you just make makes my funks a P-funks because I want to get funks up. Let's do there it. You go. <laughs> Jamal Adams stole the show last week in Atlanta. Coming up next, Paul Moyer and I will tell you what we saw and what we need to see from the Seahawks defense moving forward right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Hawks. Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here's your host, Paul Moyer and Michael Bumpus. Michael Bumpus here, Paul Moyer there. This is Hawks Live every Thursday at 7, right here on 710 ESPN. Now, I'm going to talk to the defensive guy here. I'm the offensive guy. Yeah. I got a defensive guru but I was an offensive coordinator in youth football. I you just were? want you to know. Well, that counts then. And matter of fact, every guy who's ever played defense 
should be an offensive coordinator, and every person who's played offense. Because yeah. you know yeah. exactly the weaknesses of the defense. It was the most fun I've ever had. Sorry, I got off tangent. Sorry, Jamal Adams. <laughs> we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk. No, we're, let's, let's talk about Jamal, and let's talk about this defense. Give me a couple of things that you thought they did very well on Sunday. Um, I, I thought just mixing it up, you know, getting them to third down. I, I always tell people um, you want to get people to third down a lot, even if you're – even if they're 50% on if, if if someone was 10 for 20, I'd say it's actually successful because you've gotten off the field 10 times. And then throw in the fourth downs that we did, it, it's really good. So I thought us getting them and putting pressure on them on third down, because you know as an offense, man, come up third down all the time. Man. There's yeah. a lot of pressure to convert on that. The Seahawks, conversely, they didn't have very many third downs. They were winning on mixed down. So I thought we were winning the mixed down battle. Um, I thought we put pressure on them. You know, again, we blitzed a lot. You know, between Blair and and Jamal Adams, I bet there were 16 blitzes just on those. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten all the data on, on how many times we blitzed yet. But um, it's completely different from what I've seen in the past. Um, we have playmakers. Yes. And that's the fun part. And I, I'll go to one. It was just uh, Mayoa. It was that fourth down, the first fourth down play. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, I think Bobby uh, and Jamal messed up on, they had like an in and out coverage on a tight end in the back, and I'm not sure exactly how that played out. But nobody went with the back out into the, the flat. He was wide open. And Mayoa came up and he knocks the ball down. Now, that's a very different game. If they convert that. Yes. And so that's how you win games, right? You play good football, you're, you're sound, but you need playmakers. You know, Jamal Adams is a playmaker. He, he made some plays again on third down, knocked some, some pass down, had the big sack, uh, came and sliced in on another one on a third down and two uh, where he and, and Bobby Wagner made the play. So I just think uh, that's what I'm impressed with. We just we put pressure on offenses now. Um, we have playmakers. Um, we got to clean some things up. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no question. It wasn't perfect. You know, there's a lot of just what I was saying, just busts in in coverages. They're, they haven't played together yet, right? Yeah. I mean, the camps are they're walkthrough camps now. I mean, you're right. You just you know, there's the whole pandemic. There's no two a days. It, it, it takes time when you have as many new players as the Seahawks have. Think about that whole defensive line, other than Reed. Is really new. Yeah, yeah. You can put you know Puna Ford in there, but you know he's kind of new. Um, you know Brooks played about seven snaps, not much. You know Bobby and KJ obviously are the veterans, but that secondary other than Griffin, it's all new. Even Diggs, and I thought Diggs. The one thing we we got some smackers in the secondary. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, what I liked about the defense, I call them ooh plays. There was a play where where. A lot of guys maybe go, ooh, like, yeah. oh, he did that. LJ had a ooh play. Yeah. Mayoa had a ooh play. Diggs. Um, uh, of course, Jamal. I mean, there were so many guys who made an impact during that game, which encouraged me. Now, got to clean up the pass game. You're giving up a bunch of yards throwing the football, but when a team throws a ball 54 times and they're down, you're going to expect that. You're just playing not to give up the big play. So what I want to see from this team this week, though, I want to see disciplined football because if your assignment is the quarterback, you get the quarterback. If your assignment is to peel out with the running back, you get the running back because this New England offense is counting on you messing up. It's counting on you taking a false step and having them exploit that. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how and what type of defense we play against, uh, I want to say Carolina, New England. Um, we, we ran what I would consider – if you didn't know who was who, you would say it's a 3-4 defense. Yeah. 
Uh, we had three interior linemen. We actually had Puna Ford on, on the center as a true nose. Um, we had both uh, Mayoa and Irvin standing up. So just looking at the look, the X and O of it, uh, it, it looked like a 3-4 defense. There were some traps in there that, uh, you know, we got pushed because Puna Ford's tough. If, if he's in a gap and they try to double-team him, he stalemates him pretty hard. He was on the no, uh, he was playing the nose on the center. He got washed really uh, hard on one trap, and there was just too big a hole for a linebacker, Jamal Adams, to, to make a play on that. In this game, you know, we, we can't have those kind of mistakes because Atlanta wasn't a great running team. Yeah. They're a great throwing team, but not a great running team. This one, we got to be really sound. The one thing I think we we are immediately we've become a great tackling team again and that's something we were always good at you know really up to the last couple of years i thought our our tackling just wasn't what it used to be um, all of a sudden now you got Diggs and you got you know adams uh, i think bobby just he bobby looks healthy um kj again i think kj's gonna have another fantastic year um he looked good uh, so I think that's uh, Griffin can tackle Dunbar, uh, not known for it, you know, but you know, he stepped up and made some, some, pl- some hits and some good tackles. So I think we've become a good tackling team. So teams are going to have to work really hard after the catch and, and at the point of attack on the run. Yeah. You talk about tackling. I'll never forget Alvin Kamara, that one run he had where it felt like nine out of 11 guys just slipped off of him. Yeah. So it's encouraging to hear you say that. Now, one guy who played well was Marquise Blair. When you play against a team that throws the ball so often, you're going to see nickel out there. I don't think that, that's not going to be the case this week. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot more base defense, and that means that Marquise Blair won't be on the field as much. When this team puts out that base defense, where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? Yeah, I you know it's that'll be interesting because, uh, and I know that you know. New England ran a bunch of different formations. I think Cam is more comfortable when he's in the shotgun or, yeah. or behind, you know, uh, not not under center. Um, you know, they and their depth chart. They start three wide receivers, so I I, don't, I think it's going to be you know indicative of what New England does from personnel. We'll, we'll match that because you're right. Blair was in 55 plays this last game. We were predominantly in nickel. I don't have a problem with him in the running game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you had that one fourth down fake where he came in and he put his head right on the football and, and caused a fumble. He is known to be a very good tackler, and he is. He's physical. You put a wide receiver on him, wide receivers don't block him. I mean, he's really strong. I mean, he'll he'll actually run them into the line of scrimmage and, and make some plays. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, do you put an extra line? I mean, I think you have Bruce Irvin, obviously, as the Leo you know, you you got KJ and Bobby, and then you know you got more of your base defense. So I'm not sure if, if we'll have that three four look like we did last week. I think that may have been more for some pass rush situations. Now we talked to KJ, and we both mentioned that this is going to be a different type of game. Uh, and what New England does, what I've watched on film, is everything looks like a run. Like they get into their pass protection, they still. Um, pull that guard to make it look like a run. So these defensive linemen, these linebackers have to be super disciplined. What like yeah. what does a pulling guard do to that second and third level on a defense? I could imagine it really tests them to be disciplined and really read their keys, right? Yeah, I think it's 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 more difficult on linebackers, uh, obviously, particularly in a zone, because you've got to honor. Okay, all of a sudden you pull a guard. I'm thinking a trap or some some some. My, my gap moves over yeah. at that point, right? Yeah. 
Um, I don't necessarily have anybody threatening me in the in the passing game. It's easier if I'm a safety, I'm on a tight end or or even a, a slot back because I don't care what the linemen do. That's my secondary read. If I get a tight end release, I'm playing pass. If I get a wide receiver, I'm I'm playing pass, and they block that different. Now I go to my secondary read, which is lineman at that point. Um, so it is tough, and it, we're, we weren't great last week. You know, we got hit on a couple of play actions, um, and we got to get better at it. We got once we see it, I always say turn and run. Yeah. You want interceptions? Got a lot of interceptions in my life by being fooled a little bit. But then the quarterback goes, Paul, ah, he's fooled. Paul, I can turn and run. We call that a low-key flex, what you did right there. You got a lot of interceptions in your life. That's what the kids call a flex. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but thanks for flexing I, on us. I, 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 I did have a lot, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, I'm sorry. But you can't. If you turn, no, it's true. But if you tur- you can get fooled just a little bit. You turn and run, and you know where your spot is. And if you understand you know, pattern recognition and all what they're trying to do, work behind you. Also, quarterback says, "Oh, you know, he he has a hustle interception." Yeah, we got to get better at that, and that's been a weakness of us for many years. Is working deep, you know, crossing routes behind our linebackers, um, and they're going to try that, but they're going to do it with one, two receivers. They're going to end up blocking seven, eight, nine guys sometimes, right? And they'll have. They, I saw them one time. They had one receiver run a, a deep end last week in New England, and then they had another one where there are only two receivers in the route. Everybody else was blocking. Why? Because we're going to protect Cam, and we're going to hope that there's a void somewhere in that zone along the way. Um, all right, so let's flip it on you now. Because let me tell you what, this is a whole different defense. Yep. They are they're physical. They're sound. Uh, their secondary is very good. I mean, we think ours is good. Their cover guys, their two corner man, they're really good. They're yeah. quick. Um, so we're going to have to have time for Russell. Um, I think we can run the football on them, but they're sound. I mean, it's it, so what are we doing? Are we throwing the ball 35 times? No, I don't. I think that initially you have to establish the run. You're going to see a defense that is very confident. They're going to get man. Gilmore's going to man your best guy up. Um, you got Phillips out there, the new guy. He's going to man guys up, and they're not afraid. And that's what I appreciate about this defense, and I, I saw a little bit of that in the Seahawks defense is that uh, there's a confidence when it's time to make plays. And Stephon Gilmore, I mean, you watched the film on this dude. He's not fooled. No. You can give him all the pretty releases you want to off the line of scrimmage, but he's going to look at your hips, and he is going to attack you um, at, at the top of your route. And you tell me if you saw this out of him too, uh, Paul. At the top of his route, he is so good with his hands. You're not supposed to grab. It's a P.I., but he does it in a way to where it doesn't really impede what the receiver's doing, but it lets the receiver know, look, I'm right there. And visually, it messes up what the quarterback is looking at because if I'm a quarterback, I get to the drop the back of my, my, my drop back, and I see a receiver with a DB with his hands on him, I'm checking off and I'm going to the next guy. Yeah, it's like a, a lawyer. We, you know, they're, they're called fence riders, right? You, you take that right to the the letter of the law and and you stay on your side of the fence and he does really good with that so he doesn't get called for those but I don't think he needs to he's so quick in his change of direction and the way even that interception he had uh, last week I thought was a really good interception fantastic hands um what he had six uh interceptions last year uh yeah six and and 20 pass breakups you know to get six is really hard i had six in 1988 (laughs) flex flex (laughs) but it is it's hard i mean you've got to you got to have good hands. you got to practice that and you got to be prepared for it so uh, i'm excited for this matchup and i just i think we can you know 
he doesn't really guess. I think he's really confident, a little bit like um, Dunbar. Dunbar is a great pattern read person. Mm-hmm. He just trusts his instincts yeah. on it. And sometimes you go, oh, he guessed. I go, well, some people just have a feel that, well, that quarterback, if he doesn't throw it now, he's going to get sacked. So I'm I'm jumping what I see. Yep. You know, there's other times I go, oh, he's, he's not there. He may be able to pull the ball down. He's got a great feel for it. So I, I think it's going to be a fun game. And, it, it, you know, look, two great coaching staffs. Um, but here's the one thing that, Last week, New England didn't see. Fitzpatrick is garbage. <laughs> he's garbage. What do you mean? He's he's been in the league forever and he's he played for gar- eight teams. You know, here, here here's the thing about him. He that he's another one of those. He's he's a he's that fence rider, right? You go. He's not bad, and then he just makes three just stupid throws that you go. Why did you do that? Twenty seven throws. You were pretty good. But he's got no arm strength. What they're about to see in Russell Wilson and with our receivers, they're they're gonna they're gonna see something they haven't seen either. He gets opportunities because he went to Harvard, Paul. Simple well, as that. that well, <laughs> All right. If you can get in, do it. Coming up next, we'll go inside the film room and revisit the biggest plays from the Seahawks victory in Atlanta. That's around the corner on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. That's right, Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bombas. That's Paul Moyer from CenturyLink every Thursday at 7 o'clock. A little Sierra there. That's Sierra, Paul. That's, that's Russell's wife. <laughs> well, you know what? Here's what's funny. You looked at me like... I'm going to teach a little child. <laughs> Were you flexing on me there? Uh, that's a low-key flex, Paul. Yes, he did? Let's huh? go, Paul. Okay. Let's go. Look, by the end of the year, I'm going to have a lot of stuff down. This will be good. <laughs> All right, we're going to the film room. Uh, three biggest plays from the Falcons' victory. This first play, we're going to break down. Russell Wilson finds Carson on screen pass for a 19-yard touchdown. Rushing quarterbacks will tell you about that, but here's a quick pass. Carson left side, 10-5, touchdown, Seahawks! Chris Carson making it look easy down the left side. Russell Wilson with a little flare pass to the left. Carson takes it untouched. And all Dan Quinn can do, the coach of the Falcons, is look up at the big screen and say, what just happened? I'll tell you what happened. A screen pass left side and a gauntlet of blockers for Chris Carson down the left side. And the Seahawks take a 13-3 lead. So for all of you out there who have taped the game, I want you to go back and watch this play. It's one minute left in the first quarter. They're on the 19-yard line, just so you can fast-forward it. This is something you have not seen from the Seahawks, and it's more the timing of the screen. We, we talk about screen. I, as a defensive coach, I screen scared me more than anything. Really? Yeah, it, it, and particularly if you're in zone, you get the big drop. Yeah, it's, look, it's like a punt return, you know, and you've got these big hogs out in front. It's tough if it's man-to-man and you get the one guy blocked up, it's a touchdown. So they're very scary, and you've got to really cinch up on them quickly as a defense. But for those who go and look at this, what's so impressive about this is our three interior linemen, our, our center and our two guards, and, and particularly Damian Lewis, our right guard, um, the timing of this is per- perfect. You got uh, Dwayne Brown actually leading the way as well. He knocks the linebacker out wide. And then Damian Luce and Posick are leading the charge. And right when you get to the goal line, I mean, Damian Lewis puts a hurting on this DB. I mean, he's it's the timing of it. It, it looks so orchestrated perfectly. And that is what's different about our screens everybody's going to have to be aware of this. This is a problem for defenses. Yeah, it's a problem. 
you know, when I was coaching, when I told D lineman, whenever it feels too good to be true, it probably is. Those, those those offensive linemen take two kicks, they let you free like you have a sack. No, sir. And what Russell does, he does a great job of holding the safety. He doesn't give the the screen away. A lot of young guys, a lot of in, inexperienced guys would just throw the screen right now. They're not going to hold the safety. They're not worried about getting to their drop. I see Russell Wilson being a veteran here. And then we play defense once or twice in our life. You never want to see three 350-pounders running mm-hmm. at you. They don't even have to block you. They're just going to get in your way because you're going to go around them. Now, if it was a, a 20-something versus a, a, a number 15, you're going to take that block on. When you see 60, 70, those big boys running at you, there's no way you're going to get in front of that. And if the Hawks can get really good at their screen game, this is going to open up a lot of other things for them because now you can fake a screen and take a shot. Now you got the defense on their heels. So I want to see what the Patriots do. How, how did they play this screen? Because the Hawks have to show this. They have to keep them honest and hold them accountable. And it's and it's so good. And by the way, we used to call them pass rushing geniuses because <laughs> they would all of a sudden you see three guys and they think they're going to get to the quarterback. And we go, if it's too good to be true, you pass rushing genius. It's too good to be true. <laughs> too good to be true. Yep. All right. The next play, we got Jamal Adams on the third down sack of Matt Ryan. From his own 44, Seahawks load the line. They get to Ryan, and they knock him off his feet. Back near the 35-yard line, and it is Adams again. He has been close, and that time he gets there. The first sack of the day on Matt Ryan, and it comes from the strong safety, Jamal Adams. Oh, God. So we've got seven guys lined up on the line of scrimmage. And, again, if you've taped the game, 7.45 left in the second quarter. We're up 14-9. It's third and six. And I told you when we got Jamal Adams, what makes him so special, look, he hasn't had a lot of interceptions. It's the amount of plays he makes on third down to get you off the field. It's unbelievable with knockdown passes and him coming off the corner here for a blitz. But just to set this up, we got seven guys up. We're actually going to drop and only send four guys. I believe we sent four guys. One, two, three, maybe five. Um, Bruce Irvin drops. K.J. Wright is up between the guard and center. He drops, and they both pick up the wide receiver. Bruce Irvin picks up the slant guy right from the get-go. If he doesn't pick him up, maybe you know, Matt Ryan can throw it real quick. But what's so impressive about Jamal Adams Look, no one blocks him. So you, you wouldn't think it's that big of a deal, but he comes out of a cannon. Mo- most guys are afraid to miss the quarterback by him stepping up, right? And so they all of a sudden they throttle down yeah. and they, they give him, t- give him time to, to make the throw or give him, make a miss and he steps up into the pocket. This guy, once he sees the kill, he goes and kills it. Yeah. He's, he's, the, he's the best blitz and safety I've ever seen. I like what Jamal Adams does in this play. I also like the scheme. On the offensive side, the right side has three guys, three offensive linemen, center, guard, tackle. There are four guys to be accounted for on that side. And Matt Ryan is still having to play fake with Gurley. So if you really, if you count the numbers up, you have the center, the guard, the tackle, and the running back who are responsible for the four guys on that side. With that play action, the running back, is is now not accounted for. He is helping out the center, and it overwhelms that side of the offensive line, and that's what I like about it. It's a numbers game. End of yeah, the day, if we game. have more guys coming than you guys have blocking, 
you should win this matchup. Now you got the guy firing off the edge in Jamal Adams who does the things that you just mentioned, who he doesn't throttle down. He He's getting shot out of a cannon. He's trying to deliver a blow. These guys don't stand a chance. This type of play is what I want to see against the Patriots early, and I want to see what the Patriots do because typically what you do is it's bump, bump, bump. Now every assignment on that offensive line is bump once, uh, bumped over to the right in, in this situation. So um, there is some some cat and mouse being played here. Now, yeah, they 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 definely schemed them, and yeah. you know, once you know which way the center is going to slide, so in this particular case, they they knew he wasn't going to slide to our our left, their right, and so now the running back has to pick up Jamal Adams or Bobby Wagner, and he's going to pick up the quickest person to the quarterback that's straight line Bobby's coming through the a gap between the center and the guard and so that leaves uh, Jamal wide open but this you, you you free up Bobby Wagner and Jamal in scheme they're going to win that battle yep this, this is fun we guys again we haven't seen this I mean, this is so <laughs> different from a philosophy and just an aggressiveness you know we look we've been a vanilla defense for a long mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. fun to see yep put these offensive linemen in a bind all right, the next play we got, Russell Wilson finds D.K. Metcalf for a 38-yard touchdown on fourth and five. Four-man rush. Russ looks. He's going to lay it up over the top. He's got a man down there. It's Metcalf. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. On fourth down and five, Russ takes the snap, stands back there like a patient man and waits, and 14 gets open for six. A 38-yarder. Holy smoke. You guys are covering DK Metcalf with one man. Forget about it. He beats him for six. First off, big ups, uh, Rabel. He, his voice and his calls <laughs> are amazing. Forget about it. Let's He's been set practicing this. all uh, off season. He, he, he told been. me he actually practiced a game. In his wife Sharon was probably driving her nuts, but yeah, he was in a car. They were. He, he was getting ready for the game, doing his, his calls. I heard him and uh, Wyman practicing during a mock game. Yeah, so these guys, these guys are ready to go. But let's set this up, Paul. What people forget about this or might forget about this is Falcons had a third down stop. They're yep. celebrating. They're running down the sideline. And, and apparently Russell looks at the sideline. There's tele, telecommunication going on, and they're all on the same page. That makes me really excited because now I feel like Russell, Schottenheimer, and Pete, are really on the same page. Yeah. They don't even need to speak. You know, you've been married for, what, 32 years, you yeah. say? You just look at your wife sometimes, and she knows what you're thinking. She, I feel like this is what's yeah. happening right before our eyes. That's one of the things I loved about this. Yeah. yeah. When she looks at me, I know she's she's thinking he's hot. <laughs> 32 years. So so this one as well. So do you remember the first incompletion? Um, going back, to, it might have been in the third quarter, second quarter. It must have been in the second quarter. Um, it was a third down and four. Sim, almost exact same formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Metcalf tries to release outside, and the corner just stones yeah, him. Yeah. And there's nowhere to throw the ball. Russell kind of throws it low in between him. It's, it it's an incomplete pass. Yeah. Same formation, mm-hmm. same release, but now Metcalf this time, as he bends outside, the corner jumps outside. And Metcalf beelines it with a straight line for a go route. Now, look, it's a perfect throw. It's awesome protection. The, the pocket is huge. It allows Russell to step up into the pocket, make this throw. But this is where maturity comes in. Yes. DK got stoned on that third down play. A lot of guys lose confidence on that. 
Same play, fourth down and four, fourth down and five. They're thinking he's going to run a quick little hitch route or a slant route. He takes that play away immediately. Metcalf set him up for the touchdown. It was awesome. It's all about his hands. I think that's where DK got in trouble early was that he's trying to grab and just muscle guys. When it's really like you're so strong, we call it the the push clean. You push that hand away. You clean up the other one just in case they grab. You're a big boy. No no one's going to put hands on you Mm -hmm. like that. Just believe in it. That's the evolution of DK Metcalf. I wish I was on that sideline and I could hear the conversation. Someone talked to him. I'm sure he communicated with Russell, his receivers coach, his offensive coordinator. Look, let's do this. Let's try this. And they went back to him. And that shows the confidence that they have in this guy. Like, look, you messed it up early, but we're going to come right back to you, and you're going to execute at a high level. The guy had, what, 90 yards and a touchdown, and he didn't play his best game week one. So I'm excited to see how he progresses from here. Yeah, good good stuff. And, you know, I think what we saw in all three of those plays, and for those who just heard this, we got playmakers. I mean, Carson, Metcalf, Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson. Um, we're loaded with talent. It's really fun. Yeah, it's fun. This offense is um, showing that they're dynamic and they're versatile. I think last year when you talk about the Seattle Seahawks, you just talk about the run game. Even though you had a receiver go over 1,000, you had another receiver go over 900 yards, you're still talking about this pass game, I mean the run game. So if, if this is, isn't the biggest rope-a-dope I've ever seen, I, I'm loving it. I, I love that they came out and threw, threw the football 35 times because now this is just setting up the run. Oh, I know. The Patriots are going gonna to focus on the pass. They're going to respect the run, but they have to focus on what they did the previous week. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to set set the pass up with the run. You can set the run up with the pass, and that's what you're talking about. I, look, I just think with the screen game, with us being able to throw it, with the playmakers we have, I think we have a very good offensive line that can protect uh, along the way. I think they're going to be a really good run offensive line, too. You just now, I mean, Bill Belichick, who's a game plan. I'm really curious if they've even set this up ahead of time because mm-hmm. the one thing about new england nobody game plans more than them and and what i mean by that is look everybody goes in and game plans right but they almost redo a playbook every week mm-hmm. i mean you, you don't know what they're going to do i mean the seahawks used to live by three deep and man to man with a single free safety now there's other teams that are covered two. you know other teams are but you know their identity with new england you really don't know. They try to take away what you do best. The Seahawks say, stop us. We don't care what you do. We're yeah. going to do what we do best, right? Yeah. So, you know, setting this up is really interesting because I'm really curious to see how this game plan is going to play out. So now the Hawks come back to Seattle. It sounds like there was no home field advantage in Atlanta. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's usually the case anyways there. <laughs> so, I mean, what should we expect out of these guys? I mean, they, they came out on the road. They they were hyped up. You look at them pregame. Everyone's ready to go. And can they continue that same intensity now that they're here, even with no one in the stands? Yeah, look, they do it in practice, right? I mean, they're legendary for how they practice. And that's why getting Jamal Adams, I think, brought that back up. I mean, the one thing about Earl and Sherman, I mean, they were high-intensity practice guys. You yeah. got, you know, another one there in Jamal Adams. I think that helps. They also, there's a reason why we had two mock games in this stadium. Mm-hmm. It was to prepare them for the surroundings of what the sound's going to be like because they knew we weren't going to have fans the first couple of games. Um, I, I don't think the Seahawks care where they play. You know, if it's on a practice field, if it's no fans, if it's out in a play yard, they're going to play hard. I, the Seahawks are going to play well. They're going to play hard in Atlanta. 
in Century Link. Yeah. At the tailgate. Yeah. Don't matter. Hey, we're in Century Link right now. We're we're working hard. Let's go. We're grinding. Yeah. All right. Super Bowl hangover in San Francisco. I'll get Paul's thoughts as we go around the NFL coming up on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live. That is Paul Moyer. To your right. To my right. The guy who had six picks, more picks than I had, catches in a year. I am Michael Bumpus. This is Hawks Live. Six in one year, I have. Hey, not you my know, career. You know, no, I'm sorry. I'm flexing again. Oh, you're flexing again. Flexing. I, I like this flex. I, I love the flex. I, I was telling you guys in a break though, I'm flexed out. I got nothing <laughs> left. <laughs> All right, so week one, let's talk about the NFC West. Yeah. So my prediction was the Rams would finish at the bottom. Uh, the Cardinals would be after that. Frisco at three, and then the Hawks number one. After seeing what the Cardinals did to San Fran, and seeing how the Rams ran the football. That's what impressed me the most. Now, granted, Ramsey got away with a fly, a LeBron type thing. But the way they ran the football, it was power football. Yeah. This, this wasn't little boy football. This was big boy football. So, yeah, I've changed a bit as far as expectations. What are your expectations in NFC West? Golly, man, after one week. But it, it, the Rams reminded me in their running game about from about three years ago. And when they really put a hurting on the Seahawks, it's it's complex, it's physical, and you got to match it. Um, and they... The way they block, they, they have a chance to go downfield. I, mean, I was shocked they, they beat the Cowboys. I really thought that the Rams were taking a step back and the Cowboys would win. Um, so that's kind of a bummer because they've definitely moved up uh, in my thoughts, too, to probably number two. Um, and the reason why I'm saying two is, look, San Francisco – they have the worst quarterback in the league. What? Not, uh, our division. You love, you love Jimmy. Paul. I love Jimmy. He's he's a, <laughs> he's a nice looking guy and and he, he whatever. But um, you look, he, the word is out on him. Yeah. You know, he can't throw outside the really the numbers. You know, so you just you condense that field on him. And again, I think that's why we got Dunbar to help with these crossing routes and slants and all of those things. <clears throat> I'm not sold on Arizona because I don't think their defense is that good. <clears throat> I just think San Francisco is so beat up right now. They have no one to throw to. You know, they're going to probably be good. And, they, look, they got the Jets, the Giants, and they have Philadelphia and then Miami. They probably win three of those games. So they're, they're going to be three and two after five games. They're still going to be in the hunt. Let's let this thing play out. Everybody gets healthy. I think the Seahawks are probably the best team, just what I saw in week one. Yeah. But I think the Rams, they concern me. Now, going into week one, one of my concerns around the league was this is going to be sloppy football. I mean, they, they didn't have preseasons. You don't know what they're going to do. I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of play. And then, especially because the day before on Saturday, I watched college football. Wow. You can't trust 18 to 22-year-olds. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a whole other story. Plus, they the amount of time they've lost. They lost all of their spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, spring's huge in college. I mean, you, you, you're playing spring games like they're real games. I mean, you don't need fans uh, in the stands when you're in college because you're trying to make the team and you're trying to get a starting spot. Um, you know, they, I, th- I think, think I read somewhere where holding was down 40% in week one. Really? Yeah. So I think the league probably said, let's just let them play. Let them live. Let's just go out <laughs> and let them make some plays. And it, I thought the football was good. They're professionals. They've been playing football a long time. Mm-hmm. I think what just really proved more than anything is 
the three a days and two a days I had to go through my whole career <laughs> weren't necessary. I might have got a couple more years out. So in this division, you got Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Jared Goff, and uh, who am I? Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo, your You're boy, my, Garoppolo. My boy. Garoppolo. You guys say <laughs> it's it's Kyler much. Murray, the second best quarterback in this division after week one. Now we're not projecting for the future. After week one. Do you think I say he is right now? What are your thoughts? Well, I think he's dangerous. You know, there's no question. He has a you know one of the best wide receivers in Hopkins to throw to. So, and it, it, they got an you know an inventive head coach, offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I, I I think he's the most dangerous guy. But look, Goff is that kind of guy that you watch him and you go, ah, oh, he's he's not playing very well. He's not playing very well. But if he's got time in a pocket, the kind of routes they run, those deep routes, he's dangerous. Um, that's a toss-up for me right now. Yeah. Okay. But Murray certainly, he's, he's a problem. Okay. Well, now let's talk about the old quarterback, Tom Brady. First yeah. week, two picks. Arians calls him out. Is that the right approach? Is, does he still have something left in the tank? Was Belichick? There's so many questions surrounding yeah. this dude right now, right? Is Belichick the reason why he is who he is? Uh, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady? He looked 44. He just looked old. I mean, look, you, you can't hide mask age. It's hard to do, you know, <laughs> even in a uniform. But he looked frail. Uh, maybe it was just the uniform. It doesn't look the same. You know, before he had the, the red, white, and blue with right. the stars. Strong colors. He looked like this... You know, I don't know, whatever, you know, Captain America, I guess, you know, in that, that uniform. And this one now, he's he just looks frail and he looks old. And I know he's only 44. I like Tom personally. I think he's, you know, a really good person and, and you wish him well. But father time, man, it's tough in the NFL. But I will say, I don't think he played that bad. He just made two terrible throws and yeah. it cost him the game. All right. Richard Sherman, he's injured. He's back on the, yeah. the you know, we're looking at him. He he came back from Achilles injury, had a great year, was a pro bowler, backed all the talk up. Is he done, or do you think he still has a couple years left? No, look, he's as long as that pass rush is there, Richard Sherman's still the best route reader. He's still the best jam corner out there. He is so good at what he does. But you got a calf injury. You've got an Achilles injury. You're starting to see the same injury over and over. You know, his speed's not there anymore. He saw that in the Super Bowl. I mean, he just got – you know, outrun, and that's, you know, something he's been able to hold off. It's tough to play a corner in this league if you can't run, and he's definitely lost a step. But, again, if their pass rush is there and that ball has to come out on time, Richard will have a good year. Russell Wilson, Best MVP. Will he at least get a vote this year? Can yeah, he get he'll, one vote this he'll year? He'll get a vote. Goodness they, gracious. they got to win at least 11 games. It's all about the wins, right? I mean, when we were winning, it was about our defense. He just didn't get the opportunity, even though he deserved it. I thought in 2015 he probably deserved it. He had a phenomenal year. But Cam Newton that year, I think he had like 30 rushing touchdowns. There was some crazy number. I know it wasn't that much. But um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was one of those. That he had so many touchdowns that, you know, he got the MVP, and rightfully so. He's in the mix. He's got – got to win 11, 12 games – uh, you got to hope, you know, Mahomes takes a step back. If they go 15-1, and one, but he's going to get a vote this year. He's going to get a vote. He's going to get a vote. All right, let's do it. All right, coming up next, we'll give you our final thoughts and the Seahawks' keys to victory right here on Hawks Live. Hawks. 
Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live, Michael Bumpus, Paul Moyer, every Thursday right here at CenturyLink at 7 o'clock on ESPN, 17 ESPN. Paul. Yo. Are these guys going to go 2-0 this week? I, th- I think they yeah, can. They I think are. they need to be the team that tackles well, like you mentioned. You feel like they, they tackle well this year. They're mm-hmm. wrapping guys up. They're bringing them to the ground. And I think they need to be disciplined on mm-hmm. defense. Offensively, I think they need to play a different type of game. What are your keys to success this week? Well, I'd like to get some turnovers. Yep. Uh, you know, that's that's a big one. And I think they're they're there to be had. You know, last week I thought we could have had a couple that um, – you know, we just misread on some things. We're we're gonna have to play sound. Um, you know, we were flying around, hitting people and making plays, but you know, there were some busts there that you know. Luckily, you know, Matt Ryan didn't find them all. Um, I don't know if Cam will either. Cam locks in on a certain spot, yes. Um, yes. but here's what they will do, and this is why we have to be disciplined. They'll block nine guys. I mean, they'll they'll send one guy out, or they'll block eight up, and so they'll give them some time to let that route develop. So we've got to be on that too and not leave anybody really singled up. I just look offensively. I I think they're going to have a tough time against us Um, just because they don't have any receivers. They don't have really a great tight end. They have some good running backs. They have cam who's absolutely a threat. I mean, he is to me kind of his old self in the running game. So, and and look, and Belichick and them are going to find our weakness and we got to make sure that, you know, we're prepared to, you know, to handle that. So that would be it. I think offensively we'll be fine. It's going to be the best defense, you know, or one of the best that them in San Francisco we face this year. But we face them, you know, you got to face those guys. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're putting up 38 points. But, you know, I think we can get high 20s and keep them in the single digits. I, I see us, you know, a 20, 27, 17 win. You're going to keep this same score when we ask you no, the, on no, Sunday. I never it, give that. No, up. no. okay. All right. The reason I just see I tease that you for did. you because nope. you're how many of you haven't <laughs> you haven't won very many predictions. So I threw that out there thinking maybe you would take that. I thought you were done flexing though. You're yeah. not done flexing. I I'm, I'm running out of flex though. They're not as good as they they started out. But I I think that. This uh, the Seahawks defense has to eliminate big plays, mm-hmm. and the New England Patriots, when it comes to throwing the ball, they're banking on the secondary getting their eyes in the backfield and taking false steps because their best receiver is Julian Edelman. Edelman, he's not going to take you up top. He's not going to have the seventy-yard touchdown. He's going to work the middle of the field. He's going to sit in his zones. He's going to be available. So as long as this defense is disciplined and doesn't bite on the play actions, I watch Cam on the play action. I mean, his his meshes are beautiful in the yeah, backfield. Um, he, he shows the football like he's Peyton Manning. He tucks it back in. I mean, that's where he's comfortable, and that's where you get fool's gold. You think it's it's a run play. You think it's a stretch play. You think it's a dive, and it's not. Then, boop, he pops it over to the top. Julian, Julian Edelman in the middle of the field making plays. Yeah, if they run the ball 40-some times on us, that's going to be uh, – that concerns me too. Can, you, do we, can we physically handle that many runs? You know, again, I think I brought it up earlier. If it's coming up second and four, third and one, you know, constantly, and now all of a sudden it's an eight, nine-play drive and five minutes have gone off the clock and you start putting pressure on the offense. And, you know, points and, and yards are going to be tough. I mean, this is a really disciplined team. They're going to take their shots on pressure on us. 
um, you know, Russell's going to have to play a great game. We're, we're a better football team than they are. We have better football players than yeah. they do. Yeah. And if we just go out and play our game and everybody plays to their ability, we'll win this football game. Yeah, I'm with you. They should win this football game. There are better football players um, wearing blue and green rather than red, white, and blue. Uh, my The only X factor, or one of the X factors, it's just Cam Newton. Yeah. I mean, this is the second week. He's healthy. Now, if we were facing Cam Newton week seven or eight and he's rushed it 50, 60 times, he's been beat up and all that, then I'd say, okay, I feel a little different about it. But this is a healthy Cam Newton. And one of the things that keeps me optimistic and encouraged is, one, Bruce Irvin. Did you hear him talk about it? I played Cam, what, seven times in the last how many years? I got nine, nine sacks. It's probably – those numbers are probably skewed a bit. I don't know exactly what he said, but he's pretty confident. Bruce Irvin, I'm going to say it now, and I'll say it again on Sunday. He's going to be my uh, hot player of the game. Okay, I like that. I'm going to write that down, Bruce Irvin. We, you know, we've had a lot of success against Cam. I mean, we really owned him for a long time till the one playoff game where they jumped out like 31 nothing, and we were down in Carolina, and, and we almost came back on that one too, uh, which we always do, which is re- remarkable. We, we've had his number, and there were some really low-scoring games. They had some really good defense. Yeah, but completely different. I mean, he's in a completely different offense with different coaches. The Seahawks are a completely different scheme defensively with different players. I just think we have so many playmakers. I I think we can bottle up their receivers. I think Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner are going to – they're going to be pretty fired up for this game to get after Cam, yeah. and those are two guys who can take Cam down. Um, there's not a lot of guys in this league. Cam, I mean, Cam Newton, is he's just ginormous. I mean, he <laughs> is he's the best-looking football player I've ever seen walking on a football field. I mean, he's six foot six, 265 pounds, and Goodness. he looks like he's – if you didn't know how tall he was and big he was, you would just think he was, you know, a six foot two, two hundred ten, ten pounder. I mean, he's 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 slim. Um, he looks healthy. He looks like he's having fun again. Yeah. And that's the one thing that makes me a little nervous. Now, again, they won last week against not a very good team. Um, you know, when things are going well, Cam has historically been pretty good. And when things go south, we'll see if he's he's changed or gotten more mature we'll see when yes. when things go south there we go because i'm predi- predicting that they will go south okay all right special thanks to tom curran and kj Wright for joining the show our board operator matt harton the seahawks pregame show is live this sunday starting at 2 p.m until next time i'm your host michael bombas with my guy paul moyer we'll be back next thursday right here on hawk slides have a good one folks Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Download the 710 Sports app to get breaking news notifications on the Hawks and read the latest analysis on the Hawks at 710sports.com.